the eyes of Jesus. That's what we're praying for, and that's what I'll be uh, sharing about this morning from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 9, if you want to be turning in your Bibles, uh, the ninth chapter of Matthew, beginning in verse 35. Before I do that, let's bow for prayer, shall we? Once again, Heavenly Father, we are in your presence, thanking you for the rich privilege of prayer and worship, thanking you for all the ways that you tenderly care for us and that you are our heavenly parent, loving us, holding us accountable, caring for us, providing, guiding, and leading. We thank you, God, for all the ways that you bless us, and we acknowledge that on These particular holidays, we are mindful of those who are missing from our midst. So we pray a ministry of comfort to those who continue to grieve the empty places in their lives. We pray your blessing upon the sick in our congregation, those facing treatments and surgery and recovery time, and for those battling personal and family problems and job-related issues, that you might be grace and courage for each challenge that you might embolden us for witness in all that we do in the coming week and bless our team in South Dakota. We thank you for our partners there, for the faithful and courageous way they live the gospel in very difficult circumstances. And we pray that you will enrich the work that happens there this week, physical safety, rest and strength, blessings that abound, and learning from one another that above all Christ may be glorified. And today as we worship God, we are also mindful of the many, many ways that our beliefs and our behavior don't match up. And for that gap between our beliefs and our behavior that haunts us, we ask your forgiveness. We ask for cleansing and a fresh filling of your Holy Spirit. We ask that you bless us now with your leadership as we explore your Holy Scripture. We thank you for being attentive to our prayer. In the name of Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit, amen. And now, Matthew's Gospel, chapter 9. I'm going to read verses 35 through the end of the chapter, verse 38. If you're able, would you stand, please, as God's word comes among us, and I'll read this aloud. Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, And curing every disease and every sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. I have a friend who pastored for many years in a large university city, uh, and he liked to run on a particular trail that was very popular uh, with university students. And one day he was getting his miles in, running along and everything was fine, and all of a sudden he blew a knee, and he just crumpled to the ground. And he was uh, agonizing sort of rolling around on the path, and as he was moaning out loud, he heard a co-ed come by yell, on your right, and she just kept on going. And uh, 
He said for the first time in his life, he realized what it feels like to be invisible. For people to not see you. To be physically present, but to be not in people's sphere of consciousness. Have you ever felt invisible? People talking all around you? People looking and acting as if you're not there? Doesn't feel very good, does it? Have you ever been the one who's been guilty of overlooking someone and realizing that you treated another person as if she were invisible? Doesn't feel very good either, does it? It's not pleasant. There's good news this morning. No matter what else you hear today, no matter what else you experience today or this week, the encouraging news, two simple words from verse 36, Jesus saw. Isn't that profound? Two words. Jesus saw. Other people don't see, but Jesus sees. Jesus saw. He saw the people that everyone else was overlooking. And the scripture says he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Harassed and helpless. Jesus sees us and other people that others miss. We have to learn to have Jesus' eyes. I have a friend who moved to a new community, and uh, he was driving around, and the next time he was at church, he was visiting with a couple of the church leaders. And my friend said, you know, I wonder if there's a church in town that's doing anything to reach people in that mobile home court at the west end of town. And the two leaders who had each lived in the city for at least 40 years, looked at each other and said, there's a mobile home court in the west end of town? They didn't even know there was a mobile home court there. They lived there, but it was all so familiar they didn't see people anymore. Jesus saw people as harassed and helpless harassed, variously used in first century times, the word meant butchered, mangled, annoyingly distracted, lacerated, helpless, pushed aside, wounded, lying exhausted and vulnerable. These are the ones Jesus sees. And we don't see. It's amazing when you start reading scripture and you realize that the way that Jesus sees is so different from the way our culture has conditioned us to see or not see. For example, the world sees only the people who are whole and beautiful. Jesus sees the distorted and the broken. The world conditions us to see only the people who are healthy. But Jesus sees people who are diseased and sick and disabled, though I don't like that term because we are all disabled in some fashion or another. 
The world conditions us to see only the successful people. But Jesus sees the failures, the washouts, the people who didn't make it. Shane Claiborne uh, was speaking or writing sometime and, and, and said, you know, it's not so much that the rich people in the world don't like the poor people, it's that rich people don't know any poor people. They don't see them, so they don't know them. But you know, you could say the same about uh, people of other ethnicities and races. You can't really say, you couldn't really say, we don't like people of a different race or ethnicity. For the most part, we don't know people of other races or ethnicities because we live in our bubble and we only see certain people. Harassed and helpless can look like a lot of different things. A single mom trying to raise a family with a couple of payday loans, each averaging about 500% interest, which, by the way, our Missouri law allows. Harassed and helpless, wouldn't you say? A couple trapped in a loveless marriage, they've forgotten how to care for one another, and they, they seem stuck without, without a way forward in, in sharing mutuality and, and self-giving love. Harassed and helpless. A lonely teenager feeling dumb and ugly and low self-esteem, wondering uh, if there'll ever be any friends or ever uh, getting out of this stage of life that is so painful. Harassed and helpless. An adult caught in a chemical addiction, trapped in a life that hardly anything has been able to fix. Harassed and helpless. The person who has decided that life is futile, no purpose, no direction, just go to work, go to bed, do it over again, and then you die. Needing so desperately to hear about Jesus Christ's forgiveness and his abundant life and the purpose that God can bring to our lives and the meaning and the direction that God can fill our lives with. Harassed and helpless. You know, uh, there's a verse that's probably the most famous verse in all of the Bible, the one word that we need to think more about. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him might not perish. There are a lot of ways that people are harassed and helpless and are perishing. Someone has suggested that the word perish uh, to sort of unravel could mean that all of, the parts are life, uh, all of the parts of life are present, but there's just nothing that's there to hold them together. Like beads of an ivory necklace. The beads are all there, but they're just rolling around in a drawer. They need something to thread them. And perishing doesn't have to mean that we're living in the gutter. Perishing doesn't have to mean that we're committing all those nasty sins that no one can ever breathe or say out loud. Perishing and lost can mean you're someone very upstanding, respected in the community, but broken on the inside and selfish. 
building a life without God. Because you see, we're all in need of Jesus Christ, His forgiveness, His salvation, and, and the up and out are in just as dire a need to repent as the down and out. To say, I, my life is broken, I can't fix it. Jesus, will you help me? Jesus, come into my life. Jesus, have mercy on me. Because Jesus Christ does for us, the great shepherd, what no one else and nothing else can do. This is, this is Jesus seeing as we cannot see. Well, Matthew's gospel makes clear that Jesus sees the harassed and helpless like a sheep without a shepherd. But Matthew also shares what happened inside of Jesus when Jesus saw that. It says he was moved with compassion. Deep within his being there was this this turning over of, of pain and agony, Jesus loves with God's kind of love. He sees with God's kind of eyes, and then he loves with God's deep kind of love. This is a love that won't quit, and only God-sized love can heal harassed and helpless lives. Only a God-sized love can heal harassed and helpless people. It, nothing, nothing smaller will work. But this kind of God-sized love comes when we have God's kind of eyes. At our recent um, board meeting of ChurchNet, we were privileged to have two pastors from Cuba. And you would be amazed at how the work in Cuba is thriving. They spent all of those years under communist rule and over, uh, under oppressive regime, and yet the church has been thriving. They, they have seen more growth in the last 25 years in, in Baptist churches than they saw in the previous 80 years. And God is doing some great things. But here's what one of the pastors said. He said, we are accustomed in the geopolitical scheme of things in, in the world to being outcasts in the world, humans. We've been treated like outcasts. We've been kicked to the side of the street. And in the midst of our hunger and our scarcity, and in the midst of our lack, the gospel has continued to grow. And then he said, we're not needing pity we need partners. We don't need pity. We need partners. Did you read the last verse in that ninth chapter? Jesus said to the, to the disciples, once you get my eyes, once you see the way I see, you're going to see all kinds of possibilities and we're going to partner together to touch these harassed and helpless lives and to see the transforming love of God change people. So, a simple question for us this morning. Do you think the people of Jefferson City know that God loves them? Do you think the people of this city and this community understand 
how much God loves them. And if they don't, why not? And I submit to you this morning that when we get Jesus' eyes, this community will begin to know that God loves them.